Hey guys, here we are, the Quake and Out MMA Podcast, episode 36, and I've got quite the special guest with me, and I call him the special guest because he's the one and only Bible Belt Brawler, Bobo O'Bannon. That is one of the hardest things I've ever had to say. How you doing, sir? <laughs> Man, I'm blessed. How about yourself? Not too bad. So I really, you know, we talked about this before we got started. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, just knowing what I know about you, you work 14-hour days, you're taking care of your wife the kids you're training with somebody overseas so you know i just want to kind of start out with why bare knuckle fighting like why did that appeal to you and how do you make it fit in your day-to-day five two-minute rounds <laughs> <laughs> you know once, once i get in good enough shape i can hold a sprint for two minutes you know and uh I'm sad to say uh, the world has not seen me there yet, has not seen me in that shape yet. Uh, and getting there. I am getting closer. And, uh, you know, with the help of my new trainer you were speaking about, I'm, uh, I am getting closer there. But uh, I enjoy the uh, the fight style of it. You know, we, we can grab in the clinch and punch in the clinch. And uh, I'm an inside fighter. I've got long arms, you know, six foot two, and I've got... Uh, like a 79 inch wingspan, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know, pretty I, intense. I've got reach, but I, yes, I, I enjoy fighting on the inside, man. It's uh, uh it, it's just funny, you know. I showed that in the Calmas fight. I'm, I'm, I can fight on the outside, I can fight on the inside, and uh, I, I just, I, I enjoy it because it, it is a challenge, you know, with my long arms or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never been accused of doing anything the easy way, so. <laughs> And I think that really showed in that Kalmus fight. I mean, from what I understand, you took the fight on just a few days' notice. Um, I mean, that's how they, they bumped it up, that everybody was on a few days' notice. But, I mean, that fight didn't look like either of you had taken it on a few days' notice. So, what was it like to go in there and, you know, have probably one of the greatest heavyweight fights in bare-knuckle fighting history? Because, in, in my mind, that's what it was. It was raw, it was aggressive, and it was just two guys... You know, no pun intended, trying to knock each other's heads off. Like, that's what it was. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, uh, Feldman, I don't know if you noticed or not, if you remember seeing it, but Feldman come up on the ring apron after our fight, uh, talked to both of us uh, with only the rope separating us, and he told us the same thing. He uh, he let us know that that was one of the best fights that, uh matter of fact, he said that was right up there with uh, the night low ball fight, is uh, the way that Ooh. Feldman told us right there on the uh, ring apron. Yeah, so that, man, that was like, you couldn't tell me nothing. I had my chest poked out walking around the rest of the night. You couldn't tell me nothing, man. Feldman just told me that. Come on now. But, uh, man, you know, I I had been training. I'm not going to say I was not training. I was not uh, fight ready. Mm -hmm. I was still my my new trainer from Wales. We had decided that I was still probably five or six weeks out from fight ready. And, uh. Even being five or six weeks out from fight ready, we were good enough to where in four days we pushed it and we went flat out for about two days. And then uh, for the last two days, he was like, That's it, we'll do nothing else. I'll have none of it. And so that, that was it. We literally did nothing else. And uh, I was like, Coach, man, can I go for a jog or something? He said, No, you cannot. He said, You can eat and you can rest. Yes, sir. He said, drink plenty of water. Yes, sir. So I sat around, dude, <coughs> let me tell you something. When you used to working the way that this man trains me every day, 
-hmm. and then you go straight to doing nothing at all <laughs> oh my goodness man I look like doggone that uh, Disney movie Happy Feet my feet was just steadily doing this I'm steadily shaking wanting to go do something man and you seem like somebody who just is that kind of person you're just go 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 um, you know, never stop, Bobo, go, go, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's why it works, but, you know, talk a little bit about what it's like to train with somebody, we talked about this before, you're training with somebody via FaceTime, you know, something we never yeah. thought would be possible, or never even considered 20 years ago, um, and now it's become a staple, so much so that he was able to corner you during your last fight in between rounds, via FaceTime and your yeah. headset, so talk about how the two of you got brought together and what it's changed for you uh, mentally, physically, and for your career. Man, it's been a huge, huge blessing. I mean, it, it really has. Uh, just go back and look at the way I fought against uh, Shoemaker and Adams. Heck, even go back to the way that I fought against Mike Kyle and then compare my style to the way that I just fought this fight against Kalmas. You know, uh, stylistically speaking, I look way better. My form looked way better. You know, I moved way better. Everything was just way better this time, working with Jason Williams via FaceTime. And uh, matter of fact, we just got done with a little workout earlier. Uh, I say a, a little workout. We only went for an hour and a half. And, uh, you know, he uh, he told me, oh, just break you back in easy. He said, you've, you've, had, you've had two weeks off now. We'll just break you back in easy. And next thing, I'm about to die when you get done. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he's awesome, man. He really is. The, uh, the, the, so, without giving away too much of what's going on, I had a question. Before, before I uh, fought Arnold Adams, I was questioning myself on my jab. Uh, the way my arm traveled, the way my punch traveled, uh, I figured my elbow should come straight up from here, you know, just come straight out rather than coming over like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could not make it work. I, I couldn't, man, I tried. I spent 20 minutes on the bag right there just trying to make it work for 20 solid minutes, trying to make, you know, I just couldn't get it to work. So um, this guy, Jason Williams, reaches out to me. He wants to know if I want to, uh, if, if I'll start training with him via FaceTime. And, you know, they, I've had like two or three other people reach out to me over the same exact thing. And my very first reaction was no. I was typing him a message to tell him, nope, sorry, bud, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> something stopped me. You know, some, something stopped me. So I stopped for just a second, and uh, so I prayed about it. And, uh. You know, I, I was I was like this, nervous, whenever I was typing out the message. And I stopped, and I prayed about it, and after I prayed about it, my nerves calmed down. I wasn't shaking no more. I wasn't nervous feeling no more. I was just at a calm, at an ease. I was like, man, all right, Lord, you know, <laughs> you brought me into this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, this guy come up here. And so, <clears throat> you know, because we're fighting because me and my wife both believe God told me that we need to be fighting. Told both of us on separate occasions mm -hmm. but anyhow so i'm like you know you, you brought me into this so you i feel like you're telling me this so we'll, we'll do it and uh the very first thing that he taught me well he told me he said look i want you to hit the bag he said hit the bag we'll have let you have a go at it for a round and then we'll, we'll see exactly what i'm working with and all so i went to hit the bag and he stopped me about a minute and a half into the round and uh he addressed my jab I was like, okay, let's <laughs> let's see where he goes with this. 
the way that I'm throwing my jab now is the exact way that I couldn't figure out before because there was one detail about like that big that I was missing one minor thing that I never would have thought to do I was just I, and once he showed me that one little bitty minor detail it fixed it and you know as you could look back at the Kalmas fight my jab was coming it was quick it was snapping it was crisp and it was landing well according to the punch stats my, all my punches were landing 68% of the time so uh, <laughs> and it, that's an amazing story because it, like you said so many people now reach out oh I can help you I can help you I can help you you know and it's one thing you know to to sit at home and you know I've been watching MMA since I think late 2008, early 2009, it's really easy to say, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Oh, you need to do this. I'm not getting in there. Like, that is not me, and it's hard for somebody to to give that kind of advice and for you to go, all right, so you've never been in a fight, and you're telling me how to throw a punch. All right, cool. And then, so, of course, you've got this guy reach out and say, "Ah, I can help you. I want to train you. And like you said, you thought about it, you prayed about it, and you said, nerve stop. Like, obviously, that was meant to be in your life. And, you know, the Kalmas fight, like you said, you were five and six weeks out from being fight ready. Yeah, yeah. Uh, four days from, yeah, yeah, I'm and sorry. Yeah, you're four right. days notice, you're like, you know what? Let's take this. And, I mean, all credit to Kalmas, too. I mean, you did some damage to him, but that dude would not stop. Look, I'm going to tell you now, Zach Kalmas is one of the toughest guys I've ever fought. He, I mean, dude, I landed, I threw 119 punches. I landed 68% of those punches. And they were all clean shots, and he just kept coming forward. Just to let you know exactly how tough he is. I'm not bragging on this at all. I hate that this happened, but uh, he uh, he lost one tooth. Yeah, and I saw that. went to the dentist. Went to the dentist to see about that one tooth. His plate on the roof of his mouth was cracked. They had to pull another tooth so that his uh, plate in the top of his mouth could heal properly. And, uh, you know, that man, that broke my heart whenever I found that out. Like, my, my wife would tell you, I, I tensed, you know, I'm balling my fists up and clenching my teeth, crying whenever that happened. I don't like hurting people. Hurt, yes. You can get over hurt in a day. You know, injury, uh, no, sir. I don't care who it is. I don't care how angry I am at them, how angry they are at me. I do not want to injure anybody under any circumstances. But hurt, yeah, man, hurt's cool. You get over hurt. You know, heck, I hope that they hurt me a little bit during the fight because without me getting hurt in the fight, it's not as entertaining. You know, both parties need to get hurt and beat up on and somebody needs to win. That makes an entertaining fight. I know that, you know. Um, as a fan, that's what's entertaining to me. When you get two guys in there, guy A beats the fire out of guy B, then but guy B is beating the fire out of guy A, and then all of a sudden, one of them win. That's exciting. What yeah. is not so much is whenever one guy A just dominates guy B the entire time and the fight's over with. That's not as fun to watch. And I got to say, like, it's so funny to hear you say, I don't want to hurt people. Well, I want to hurt them. I just don't want to injure people. And considering the nature of what you're doing in there, you know, it's coming. And, you know, we I've talked about it dozens of times at this point. You know, when I first saw bare knuckle fighting, I said, no, I'm not. Not interested. It's not. And I remember I went to one of the first KFCs in, in Tampa. 
And the first time I heard a knuckle hit a skull, I said, that is the worst sound I've ever heard in my life. But I couldn't look away. The more you watch it, and like you said, those five two-minute rounds, every fight's entertaining. Every single fight has to be entertaining. And then, like you said, going back and forth, having two guys just, you know, not two guys swinging and missing, swinging and missing, swinging and missing. Mm. Two guys landing clean punches, like you said. And it's, I'm even more impressed that you know the statistics of your fight because most people don't know that. They're like, I landed a lot of punches. 119, 68%. I feel like your wife is giving you a quiz before the show to make sure you know it. No, no. No, I, I just, I, I'm good with numbers. I'm, uh, you know, uh, you can tell me a number and I'll spit it back out to you. Just for instance, I remember when I was 13 years old, a girl that was my girlfriend at the time, I lived in Florida. I still remember her number and I didn't call her phone maybe three or four times. You know, so I mean, uh, I'm I'm just good with numbers, and the only numbers I paid attention to is that I threw 119 punches and that I landed 68% of those. So I, I figured I needed to hang on to those two. It didn't matter how many I landed; I could take my calculator and figure out how many I landed. You know. <laughs> well, and you talk about being in Florida. I'm in Florida, so right outside of Tampa. So, um, okay. you know, it's just. You've probably got to be one of the most interesting people I've talked to, just because you're so soft-spoken. You're the guy, like, walking down the road, hey, Bobo, how you doing? Like, everybody's just, hello, hello. Like, I just feel like that's kind of your demeanor. So, you know, where's the switch? Like, what what changes Bobo outside of, you know, the ring to the Bible Belt Brawler? Like, where do we go, and how does that switch? Because it seems like as soon as the fight's over, you're back to walking down the street Bobo. Like, that's what it is. Look at it. I uh, walked with Zach Camus around the ring. He tried to hold my hand up. You can see it almost looks like a butthole kind of move, but it really was not intended that way. You can see he grabs my arm to hold my hand up. I put my arm on his hand, pulled it off my arm, and I grabbed his arm to hold him up. (laughs) You know, walking around the ring. Just uh, only thing I was doing was, you know, I want people to give that man some attention because uh, I don't care how good of a fighter you are. If you're not in the ring with another really good fighter, then you cannot have a really good fight, period, end of the story. If you take a A-caliber fighter and you put him in there with a D-caliber fighter, probably not going to be that exciting of a fight. But if you take two, let's say, C-caliber fighters and put them in there together, well, you're probably going to have a pretty good little scrap there. And uh, that's what happened, you know, you had two equally matched, decently equally matched fighters in there, and we just went and battled it out, and that's what happened there. And, uh, man, like like I said, that dude is tough as nails, man. And, I mean, your road in this division hasn't been easy at all. Like, none of your fights have been easy. Some of the guys that you fought, it's ridiculous. But I want to talk about that Mike Kyle fight because, you know, Mike Kyle being a legend of the sport – you know, years and years of MMA experience, and then he comes to this side. You know, what was that like for you standing across the ring and going? Was it like one of those, like, oh my gosh, it's Mike Kyle? Or was it, you know what, that's just one more person in front of me to get get me moving forward to where I need to be? It was an extremely strange, awkward, uh, elephant-in-the-ring combination of the both of those feelings. 
So let me tell you what happened. Uh, a guy called me six days before the fight. He said, hey, look, uh, we need an opponent for a heavyweight. Will you fight this guy? I don't even remember the guy's name now. But I said, yes. Oh, you know him? No, not a clue. Well, why are you saying yes already? Because you asked me, will I fight him? And the answer was yes, I'll fight him. Uh, okay. So uh, he calls me back about the next afternoon. He says, yeah, look, that guy's not going to fight you. What about this guy? Yeah, you know, I'll fight this guy. He said, okay, well, all right. He calls me back the next day. He said, yeah, that not, that guy's not going to fight you either. I said, really? I said, man, what was wrong with people these days? You know, they want to be fighters, but they don't want to actually fight. He said, yeah. He said, I found out something that I didn't know about you. I found out you uh, had a guy die in the ring with you. I said, yeah. He said, well, that was the excuse that the both of them used that they weren't going to fight somebody who had, you know, that happened with. So I was like, all right, well. That's happened before, but whatever. So I figured I wasn't fighting no more. This is like nine days out from, uh, no, like 11 days out from the fight. And then nine days before the fight, he calls me back. And he's like, hey, look, they decided that, uh, you know, the main event fell out. And they decided they want to put Mike Kyle in the main event on the card. I was like, really? Like the Mike Kyle? Like UFC pride Mike Kyle? Yep, yep. I was like, man, that's, uh, dude, that's that's awesome, man. You know, I, I hope y'all find somebody that y'all think it's okay to put in there with him. And, uh, you know, kind of pour mouth on a little bit there. Yeah, you're he's like, come like, on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say my name. He, he said, well, actually, um, we're hoping that uh, you'll fight him. I said, Kevin, don't play with me. And he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I was like, look. Uh, is, is he gonna fight me? Is he, he will. He will agree to the fight. He started laughing. He said, "Oh, I don't think we're gonna have any trouble getting Mike Kyle to say yes to the fight." I'm like, "All right, you better not screw me over now. Um, I'm telling you, I'm I'm not gonna get excited unless you tell me for sure that this guy's gonna uh, fight me." He said, "Yes, I promise to you." I said, "You make a phone call, and if I don't hear back from you in 24 hours, I'm thinking I'm not fighting." I said, "But you make a phone call." He called me back about. He said, uh, "He said, yeah, I, I got the contract. He signed the contract, sent the contract back. He said, now I need to get your contract to you and get you to sign it, send it back. I'm like, man, you ain't got to worry about that. I'll drive tonight and bring you that contract if I need to. Shoot. So, anyhow, we, we signed it, and I'm now now I'm in the peril part. I'm like, man, what did I just do? I just." I'm fixing to fight Mike Kyle. What did you just do, boy? Good night. Well, also, a little backstory here. Me and my wife had uh, prayed about it before I even started fighting, period. And uh, once once we found out that uh, God was telling me that I needed to fight, you know, telling us that I needed to fight, then... Uh, we also come to the conclusion that the both of us felt that uh, we never knew when the opportunity was going to be here, when the fight that put us out there was going to be here. So uh, we both felt like God was telling us to uh, never say no to a fight, no matter what, take the fight. And uh, so I'm like, man, Lord, I hope you know what you're doing here. You know, this is Mike Cow. <laughs> you know? I'm just... I'm just some old, big old, overgrown redneck from down here in the country, you know. <laughs> well, what in the world am I doing? This old country boyfriend to go fight Mike Kyle? What in the world? So, um, 
anyhow, man, I was nervous, dude. I I don't I think I chewed my finger and it was down to about the second knuckle down here. And uh man it was just bad. Well we we get there and I see him. I lay my eyes on him. I'm like, My gosh. That dude used to make two oh five. There is no way on this green and blue earth. No, sir. And uh then I stood next to him and I was like, Oh man, he's fixing to break my skull. He's gonna have to, but he's <laughs> fixing to break my skull. And uh, I shook his hand, man, we talked. He uh I was like, dude, look, I said, I, I know I don't know if you get this very much. I said, probably not from people you're fighting because 'cause you're probably generally fighting other people who have fought everybody in the world. But I really am like a big fan. I said, uh, I really am. I've been watching you on YouTube for some years. I was like, Look, the we please, please let my trainer take a picture of us for me? And he said, oh, yeah, man, no problem. And and so my uh, trainer took a picture of us, both of us like that. You know, I got a post on Facebook. You know, we're sitting there side by side. Both of us got our, uh, I got my shirt off. I think he's got his tank top back on. And I was like, dude, man, thank you so much. It's such an honor, you know, blah, whatever, you know. And, uh, dude, I really, I would, you want to talk about Starstruck? And then to know that this star that you're struck with is fixing to for real strike you tomorrow night. <laughs> Come on. Boy, I tell you, I was nervous as a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs, I'm telling you now. Well, then, uh, you know, we get in there and he hits me and he drops me. And uh, he dropped me pretty hard. And all, all I knew to do was uh, look at my trainer. And I looked at him and my trainer's sitting there like this. I'm like, I'm, I'm on my hands and knees looking at him like, that ain't good, is it? I don't know if that's good or not. Man, it, is it good? It, it must be real bad. And by the time he goes, get up. So I got up <laughs> and I looked at the referee and I was like, hey, I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. Let's go. And then, uh, you know, the, the rest of the fight happened. But look, I'm telling you now, that dude hit me so hard, man. Good. He gave me a complete factory reset. <laughs> it was uh, it was a bad deal for me there for a little bit. But that's such a cool story because you, you do respect it. And you see a lot of these guys, you know, coming in. You know, and at one point people were saying they were coming in on the tail end of their careers. But I feel like BKFC is giving some of these guys new life. You know, you can't train the same way you were at 20, 25, 30 when you're pushing 40, when you're pushing, you know, 44, 45. And you need to just focus on the stand-up, your cardio, and your your defense and your offense. Like, that's it. You don't have to worry about leg kicks, takedowns, submissions. And I feel like we're seeing these fighters get new life, whereas they were somewhere where they were looked up as washed up and you know, kind of on the tail end of their career. So I can't imagine what that was like for you to look at him and be like, I'm a big fan. Oh, you're going to hit me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You're busy. Knock my teeth out. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so going from there, you know, you have a couple more fights. And like I said, you know, taking them on short notice. But I really just want to talk about your day to day because that makes up most of your life. You know, you're working, you know, Britton told me 14-hour shifts. <clears throat> she said she makes sure that, you know, you do interviews, that you do training, you know, things, you know, whatever it is that she needs you to do. So what's a normal week look like for you? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I don't 
I don't have a normal week. Every every week is different than last week, man. Uh, let's let's just say if a normal week goes according to the schedule, then uh, I'll be up at uh, four thirty uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning, and I go to work. Be at work and clocked in by six o'clock, and uh, I will get off work at four thirty, and then uh, then whenever I uh, get off work, I'll come home change clothes and be in the gym on FaceTime with my trainer from Wales by 5 o'clock and uh, we'll train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday and then uh, Friday is my off day most weeks and uh, we'll uh, kind of just hang out here at the house with you know my wife and family sometimes I'll be on call uh, you know then Saturday and Sunday if I'm not on call we'll generally you know just hang out or we'll go drive an hour and 15 minutes to my mama's house and you know we'll stay with my mama for the weekend uh my mama my wife and my kids they love each you know i, I kind of become a third wheel in those situations i reckon <laughs> but uh but here's the thing though that that's a normal week uh we get about one out of ten normal weeks uh, a lot of times i'm working the 12 to 14 hour days uh, a lot of times I get called in Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, uh, a, a lot of times, you know, I'm uh, working six and seven days a week. Uh, most times I got to come in on that Friday that I'm supposed to be off. Uh, you know, we, uh, we the area that I work in, we've only got... Uh, I think three mechanics down there and somebody's generally most of the time taking vacation or sick or whatever so it turns into two of us and uh, covering an entire area you know so we're undermanned overworked you know we sometimes will uh, take a break and uh, a 20 15 20 minute break we'll take sometimes we'll just call it our lunch <laughs> you know you, you may get that at nine o'clock in the morning you may get that at three o'clock in the afternoon but uh we hit the ground running when we're working, you know, when we're at work, because we got so much to do, such a only a ten to sixteen hour day to do it in, you know, and uh, so uh, that's working. And like I say, whenever I get off work or come in a train, um, a lot of times I'm, uh, you know, whenever I'm not at work on my on my sure enough off days, I'm uh, helping helping my wife, helping her with whatever she's got going on. Like right now, she's got uh, a bad flare up with one of her uh 11 diseases that she has and right now she she's down she she's down and uh in the bed right now and can't can't do nothing and uh so you know she's just hurting and so that's what we're dealing with right now and uh you know i'll uh i get off work i'll go train my mother-in-law keep my little girl while i uh while i'm at work and while i go train and then whenever I get home, I'm spending time with baby girl and, you know, taking care of her and uh, tending to my wife, you know, whatever she needs or wants or whatever. And, uh, you know, that that's pretty well a, a, a normal week. Normal you know? week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 And, and, and you never know. And then, you know, sometimes, like, I'll get a phone call 
And so uh, I have to rush to my boss and be like, hey, look, I know it's Monday, and I know we're supposed to put in a two-week notice for vacation, but you mind if I put in a vacation day for Thursday, like three days from now, so I can go to Birmingham and fight? (laughs) (laughs) No big deal. Uh, Well, obviously he said yes, so. (laughs) Yes, Yes, and my my boss loves me to death, man. My my uh, direct supervisor loves me to death, man. We uh we have a very very good work relationship together. And uh, I, matter of fact, I've been to his house, taking my family to his house to uh, meet him and his family, you know. And uh, it's just he's he's a super super awesome dude, man. He really is. There's there's no doubt about that. And uh, he he knows that whenever I'm there, you ain't gonna ask me twice. I'm working. I'm doing what needs to be done. Uh, I'm just, I'm just a hand, you know what I mean? A, a hand to work, you know, a good hand to work, and that's that's what I am. I'm just a good hand. You can tell that by my uh, performance in the ring, you know. I'm, uh, I get in there and I clock in. The bell rings, I clock in, and I go to work. Now, uh, there's been a few times where I got work, <laughs> but I'm still, you know, I'm still getting up and I'm still going to be there and I'm still going to do it to the best of my ability, and. Uh, you know, uh, so I, I just, that, that's my work ethic, man. That's who I am. That's that's how I am, you know. My father's half Hispanic, and uh, all I got out of the deal was uh, big fluffy hair <laughs> and a hard head, you know. <laughs> Once I put my mind, that they, what they found out at work, and it's been for the last two or three places I've worked at now, but what they have found out is they can go, man, I bet you can't pick that up, or I bet you can't loosen that bolt right there, I bet you can't do this. My gosh, I probably couldn't have. But once you said, I bet you can't, I'm getting it done. I will find a way and I'll get it done. So if there's something heavy that needs to be carried, I can already hear it before it happens. Bobo, I bet you can't turn that over there. Oh, well, I can now. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the motivation, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, you jack wagons. But... (laughs) You know, that's uh, that's just where I am, man. It's just uh, people tell me I can't do something. That's been my whole life. People tell <clears throat> whenever I was uh, playing baseball, I used to play baseball coming up through uh, park ball all the way up till I was 15 years old. I played baseball, and uh, they used to tell me, "Oh, I bet you can't pitch. I bet you can't get up there and pitch." Well, I couldn't. I could not <laughs> until I tried. And then once I tried, I was uh, 14 years old, and I was throwing 86, 87 mile an hour. And uh, I had a – do you remember John Rocker for the Atlanta Braves left-handed closing pitcher? And he had that big, huge curveball that did mm-hmm. like that. Well, I had the exact same curveball except for from a, a right-handed pitcher's perspective. Whoa. And uh, dude, we went to uh, Ocala, Florida, and played in – Dixie U Baseball State Tournament and that Pensacola team that won all the back-to-back-to-back World Series Mm -hmm. was playing against them and and their ace guy was on in the batter's box. He was up there. I threw that curveball and it came out of his head. He threw back like this and just threw his arms out there. He looked silly. And and then the next pitch he drove about 487 feet. (laughs) But besides the point, you know, that one pitch. (laughs) You made him look silly just once, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't care, I don't care about that thousand foot home run he hit. <laughs> yeah, and it's I played baseball as a but, kid too. Yeah, man. I just, so I I get that, and they come on. they put you in right field, and they said, ah, "I bet you can't throw it to home plate." <clears throat> and I threw it, 
and it didn't bounce. And they went, well, that's where you're staying. And I was like, aww. <laughs> so yeah. some of those games were like out in the field. I'm lying down. Like nobody's hitting out to me. <laughs> well, look, man, I play a lot of uh, slow pitch tournament softball. Mm-hmm. And what we found out is when you're playing against a good team, uh, don't hit it to right field. No. Because the right fielder has a whole he has a whole bunch of range. He can cover a big, huge area. Not to mention, the right fielder's got to have a real, real strong arm so that he can make it to home plate or he can get that runner at third. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of the time, when you're playing a real good team, you hit it up there to right field, that baby is throwing a head-high ball 300 foot to the uh, doggone kick. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's the reason my shoulder still off. clicks 20 years later. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I hear that, and it's funny, you know, my ki- my uh, one of my best friends, his kid, they just won uh, their state tournament. Go Raiden in the Pirates. Um, I mean, literally, but just watching his kid, like, go from the kid who was, like, scared of the ball to, you know, having a game the other day where he went, like, five for five. Like, they scored 30 runs against this team. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> but... Just watching them grow up and, you know, understanding that, like, he got to play in the same field I did 20 years ago. Like, I thought that was super cool to watch. And, like you said, they put you in right field and they would go, all right, throw it to home plate. And I'd throw it and I'd go, do it again. Do it again. (laughs) You become the sideshow there where you're like, they're like, come on. We had a a 12-year-old who could throw 90-mile-an-hour fastballs. He was six foot, and I know that about twelve years old. Yeah, ninety mile an hour fastballs at twelve years old. (laughs) Good night. And he was six foot, and I'll never forget. We were playing a team that was supposed to beat us. Like they were the best team. Every single one of their players, best team. Bases are loaded. Batter hits the ball. The ball comes up on the top of our pitcher's glove. And falls right back in. And the coach didn't see it of their team, so he told everybody to run. There were no outs. Bases loaded, so we ended up getting a triple play, which you and I both know never happens. But I just remember going, I remember getting hit with one of his fastballs and going, I don't want to play baseball anymore. (laughs) Yeah. We had a guy, I can't remember his name now. There's a place we lived at in Florida, uh, Liberty County, Florida. Okay. And uh, we actually we actually lived in Hosford, but uh, we would go back to uh, I guess it was called Bluntstown to uh, the ballpark over there and play uh, baseball in Bluntstown. There was a guy I can't remember his name to save my life, man. But this dude, uh, I, they claimed allegedly I threw harder than he did. My buddy, look at here. If I threw harder than that guy, then I was humming the baby. This dude. <laughs> He he reared back and you heard it pop the mitt, the catcher's mitt. That's just uh, look. That jerker hit me in my elbow one time. I thought I needed to go straight to surgery. And that's what I thought. It was bad, man. I was like, I don't even like baseball no more. Yeah, I don't want to do this. They tried yeah. to get me to play catcher once in practice, and I was like ten years old, and I start balling, and they're like, "What?" And I was like, "I don't want to be a catcher." And they're like, why not? I'm like, because I don't have a cup. And they went, oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Yeah. Yeah. We're not doing that today. No. <laughs> I miss it. I mean, baseball is just, a, it's a different kind of sport. And it's, you know, something oh, yeah. where 
you could do it for a couple years or you could do it for 10 years and you're still going to have a lot of the same stories. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I know our, but you know, our pitcher was six foot when he was 12. And from what I understand, you were about the same height about that age. So I can imagine, um, you know, having to overcome a lot of things. So, you know, how do we go from baseball to fighting? Like, how do we go to that point? Um, and I don't want to ask about it, but I'm going to have to ask about it because you brought it up. And if you don't want to talk about it, you don't. But like, them mentioning that, you know, you had that incident happen with the other guy in the ring. Like, was that a turning point in your life to, um, you know, seek the seek faith? Was it a turning point to kind of change your outlook on life? Like, what what did that do for you in a positive way? Because anybody else looks at it as a negative. Oh yeah, it, there was definitely tons of negative about it. I uh, I was already a believer, you know. I was already uh, you know a Christian, and I wasn't living a very good life, very Christian like life at the time. I, I will admit that, but uh, you know, I was already a believer in God. Um, what that did do is that did take me uh, <laughs> got me on Prozac, and uh, which I'm I not laughing. Was a crazy I'm just laughing because you just said it so like calmly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it made me feel so calm. It made me feel like I'm, I just, I had a bad uh, taste in my mouth with, you know, hearing what people had to say about Prozac and, you know, it's crazy people medicine. Man, no, man, really, look, medicine saved my life. And uh, I know you can either, when you start taking it, you can either do good or it can make you turn and go extremely worse, like suicidal worse. And so I had family looking in on me, checking on me, take, you know, watching out for me. And uh, dude, it instantly made me, what it did is it helped me get a grasp on what was going on so that I could move on past it. And, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, that was a really, really, really bad experience in my life. Um, you know, like, like I said a minute ago, there's hurt people yeah sure whatever hurt me you know that's the name of the game that's what's supposed to happen but injure you know broken ribs uh zach's got the broken plate in the top of no man i don't i don't like that and i like i told you i promise to you i ain't just sitting here and saying it for the camera i broke down and cried when that joker told me it broke a plate in the top roof of his mouth man that that hurt me because I, I, I just i don't like injuring somebody i don't you know and then whenever uh that night, I, I don't remember much of the fight. I remember I come out there and he would come out southpaw. I was like, man, dude's supposed to be orthodox. <laughs> and I hit him and I dropped him. And uh, I was like, okay, well, here we go. Another one of these little amateur boys thinks he can turn pro and hang with the big dogs. Come on, daddy. And uh, I get up and I turn around, look at my corner, and I say, hey, calm down. He's okay. And I look at him. He's bouncing back and forth like he's mad or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is just gonna be fun. We're fixing to have a good time. And I dug her rear back, and I opened my eyes, and the canvas is like right over here. I said, oh man, what in the world? I got up and I was fine. And then uh, they tell us to fight again. He rear back, and about the time the canvas is right here, my nose was pressed into the canvas. I said, oh man, 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 man. Oh. My thoughts was echoing. I was like, this is not good, 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 you know. And so I get on my echoing, knee. echoing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get on my knee and the referee's in my face. 
I'm like, man, I ain't hear what you say. Shut up. And I look over my corner, and Eric, and I'm like, man, y'all hold on. I got into the referee says eight. By that time, the only thing I heard was eight. I jumped up, and the referee's in my face, you know, asking me questions. I figure he's asking me questions. I know that they're always asking you questions. The answer is always yes if you want to keep fighting. So he's, I can't hear a word coming out of his mouth, and he's like right here in my face. Like, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> you know, he gets out the way, and uh, this dude comes charging back at me again, I'm, all I remember is throwing my hands up, and then the next thing I know, there is an extremely bright light in my face, and I look down, and uh, I don't have any gloves on, and uh, I'm in my underwear, and a pair of socks, a pair of baby blue and pink socks I had to borrow from, uh, from my girlfriend at the time because I'd left my socks at the hotel and she had just happened to have an extra pair in her car. And then I look up and there's a bright light and I hear somebody talking. I look over at my trainer and he's, I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it goes on, no, no, yeah, yeah. And then about the time the bright light disappears and it's somebody carrying a camera on their shoulder and uh, a lady with a microphone. I'm like, man, I, what in the world just happened? He said, oh, good job, son. Good job. You answered the questions good. I was like, okay. And I, all right, you know, what questions? And I thought about it. I was like, hey, the guy I fought, we just fought, right? He said, yeah, yeah, you just fought. I'm telling you again, you just fought. Okay. Is he okay? I got a feeling he's, he's hurt. Something's wrong. He said, uh, I, uh, hold on. Let, let's go ask somebody. And uh, so... I get dressed and we're walking out the dress room. I was like, hey, I just fought, right? Yeah. And I said, the, the, the guy I fought. I feel like I keep asking you about the guy I fought. Why am I asking about the guy you fought? He said, come on, son. And uh, took me to a commissioner. And I was standing in front of the commissioner and I go, hey, the guy I fought. And my trainer says, I know. Hold on, son. You're fixing to ask me about the guy you just fought. And I'm like, whoa he's a psychic he knows and, and dude my brain was out there that dude beat me down and um i asked the commissioner i said hey man i said the guy i fought uh they they said they took him to the hospital you know uh is he okay oh yeah man he's just got some broke ribs he's having trouble sleeping okay I later found out they told me that lie because uh, they were scared of uh, what I might do to myself had they told me the truth just because the kind of person I am, you know. Mm -hmm. I get home the next night. The next night, uh, my manager calls me. And uh, I say, hey, Mr. Eddie. He said, hey, Bobby. Yes, sir. Uh, I can hear the tone in his voice. He said, hey, I need to talk to you. Can you talk to me? I said, uh, yeah, Eddie, I'm, I'm here. He said, hey, look, uh, <clears throat> that boy just died. <clears throat> I said, you better be effing kidding me, Eddie. He said, I'm sorry, son. And, and the next thing I knew, the dresser was thrown over and the bed was tumped over and my uh, phone was hanging halfway out the wall from where I slung it into the wall. 
and uh, I had the drawers in the dresser. I don't know what I was fixing to do with them. I think I was fixing to beat them up too, but uh, I just stopped and I started crying. And I felt a pain I've never experienced in my life that in in a very instant, all I could think was that the pain that this man's loved ones are fixing to feel is my fault. Mm. Is is directly my fault. And man, that hurt. Oh my goodness, that hurt. And uh, I cried and I cried and I started drinking uh, an 18 pack of beer every day. You're talking about a guy who's in real good physical shape at the time. I was walking around about 20 pounds lighter than what I'm walking around right now and with more muscle. And uh, I. Uh, Went to drinking about an 18 pack of beer every day, just uh, eating Prozac like they're Tic Tacs. Uh, just man, I, I don't, it, it got real bad. And uh, it, you want to talk about uh, it, it took my wheel out of me. And then all of a sudden, one morning, I woke up and uh. I had to know that I could still fight and the other person be okay. And so I called my manager and I told him to get me a fight and I fought quick. After that happened, I think it wasn't like three months later and I thought, I told him, I said, Eddie, I said, get me a fight. I said, I don't care who it is, I don't care where it's at, just get me a fight. And he said, son, what's going on? And uh, I went, I couldn't tell him over the phone because I couldn't talk, I, I couldn't hold myself together. No. So uh, I went to his house and I told him what was going on. I told him I just got to know that it, you know, that it'd be okay. And uh, okay. So then uh, I won that next. I think my next two or three fights, and then I lost like three or four after that, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was. I just. Uh, I still wanted to fight. I still wanted the money here and there, but I didn't want to hit nobody. And uh, I would hit somebody in the ring in a fight on fight night with a crowd there. I would hit somebody and I would stagger them. And then I'd hop back and bounce from foot to foot like I was sparring and wait for them to let me know that they was okay or wait for them to come at me. And once they recovered, then I'd go back to fighting. I'd hit them, stagger them again, I'd bounce back and, you know, just kind of pop a little jab to make it like I was still doing something or whatever, not hitting them, but kind of just touching them, you know, in their shoulder or chest or whatever. And once I seen it was okay again, I'd keep going. And um, it just, it man, it, it was bad, man. I didn't want to think about fighting no more. And I just, I'd, I'd get calls all the time. My manager would get calls. Hey, man, have a, your guy. Bobo out here would would like to get him out here in uh, California, you know, for about fifteen grand, and we'd like to bring him down here to Texas for ten grand, or you know, and uh, that's that big money that my broke behind, you know, and uh, I was like, nah, nah, you know what, Eddie, I'm I'm done. I'm not interested in it. I just work some overtime or something. I ain't I ain't that interested in it no more, Eddie. And so uh, I quit fighting for a while. And then uh, my buddy Brock Weaver, mm -hmm. uh, I remember. Brock, I remember Brock when he was like a kid at the gym. Man, I used to 
I, I didn't show him little pointers, help him with this and that, throwing his hands or whatever. And then uh, I seen Brock getting ready for a Joe Riggs fight, a bare knuckle fight. And I was like, what? <laughs> no way. So I got to looking at it, and uh, it was five two-minute rounds. And uh, it was bare knuckle. You could fight out the clinch. And uh, I was like, man, that's my style of fighting. This is what I did boxing. I was boxing with a bare knuckle style. That's <clears throat> You know, that's why I didn't make very much of a boxer. I reckon one of the reasons why. And so uh, I always knew I could take a pretty good punch, and I always knew I could punch pretty hard. And uh, so, you know, I just, I was like, ah, nah, I don't want to hit nobody. But then me and my wife got to praying about it, and one day in church, uh, it was laid on my heart that I need to be fighting. I need to do this. There's a purpose. There's a call for it. And, uh, I was like, nah, no, Lord, because this woman right here beside me, before we got married, she told me she was not going to be married to a fighter. So if I ever planned on fighting again, then uh, we just need to not get married. So uh, I told her, nope, you ain't worry about that. I ain't fighting no more, Mama. That's it. I won't fight. If it's you or fighting, then I choose you. And we're in church. It's laid on my heart. I'm like, nope, can't do it. Man, it's less than two minutes later, she nudges me. Tell me, lean down to her. She whispers in my ear. She said, "God's telling me that you uh, <clears throat> that you need to be fighting." And I don't like it, but that's what he's telling me. Dude, I go to ugly crying. I'm, you know, <laughs> bouncing and crying like I'm falling asleep. I'm bouncing so hard. And uh, she, what, what? All I can do is give her my hand. You like, know, I nope. can't talk about it right now. <laughs> yeah, we not at this point in time. So uh, we get the call and we're headed uh, home after the service and she's like, can you talk to me now? What happened? <laughs> you got to, you know you got to tell me at some point. And I started talking and uh, she could tell it was one of them times where just let me talk, don't say nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started talking, I go to talking and next thing I know I hear it. Oh, son, just as soon as I heard that, I lost it. She lost it. We're both crying. I got to pull over because I can't see the dog on the road no more. And uh, we just go to bawling. Well, over the course of the next month or two, we uh, we get to praying about it and everything, making sure it wasn't just some something off of emotion or whatever. And we both felt pretty solid. That was, you know, a word from God. And, uh, we decided that uh, both of us felt like God was telling me that you never know when that opportunity is going to arise, when that person that's going to be able to help is going to be able to be watching to see me fight. But uh, my wife's healing is going to come through it in some way. I don't know. It sounds funny. It's weird when I say it. But in some way, um, my wife's healing is going to come through this. Um, and I never know when the opportunity is going to be there, when the person that needs to see it is going to be watching. So uh, we both feel like the Lord's telling that I can't say no to a fight. So Nate Shook probably called me the night and like, hey, you want to fight Lennox Lewis? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> you know I mean? Mike Tyson's coming over. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead. And, It'd suck. He'd be like, hey, look, David Tua decided no. <laughs> All right, well, 
I'll go ahead and order my casket. Let's do it. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but uh, but yeah, man, it, it's a uh, it's all been a, a a very emotional journey. It's all been you know a very heartfelt journey, and uh, it's all been God, without a doubt. You know, I mean, if God wouldn't have blessed me with the athletic ability that I have, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be here to begin with in the first place. You know. If, God wouldn't have sent this man right here to me. I wouldn't be doing as good as what I'm doing right now. You know, so I mean, it, it's kind of, there's, dude, I went through two jobs. We're talking good jobs. We're talking real good jobs that told me I couldn't fight no more. And, um, and just, they told me I couldn't fight no more. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to put in for a, another job just to appease my wife and you know make it like i tried and doggone if i'm gonna get a stinky job every time mm-hmm. you know and so uh, <laughs> so now now i'm at this place where i'm at now and uh i've had uh four fights now being here at this place and you know there are uh three fights i don't remember now <laughs> i mean you get punched <laughs> but, uh, in the head for a living it's okay <laughs> yeah 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 Your memory is irrelevant at this point you know <laughs> that's why i've got a computer <laughs> But, uh, you know, so, you know, um, and this place is 100% supportive of me. You know, like I say, it's a doggone good job. I'm a millwright at Georgia Pacific Paper Mill, you know, maintenance mechanic at a paper mill. So, you know, I, um, I make decent money and, you know, got a very good job. So, you know, I mean, can't ask for much else, you know, and they let me take off the fight. They're supportive of my fighting. And, uh, you know, it. it's like I'm some stupid little hometown hero <laughs> or something. You know, I say stupid little because whenever I watch the movies, I'm like, that's so cheesy. That don't happen. And then all of a sudden, here I am, the thing that I've always thought was cheesy in the movies, you know, it kind of happens at work, you know. And uh, I think it's cool, man. I really, I really think it's awesome. I, I really do. You know, and the people that get to see my story, you know, get to see my wife's story. And, uh, you know, get to get to see that God's in the middle of all this, you know, that this is not a decision that we just decided, hey, let's go fight Baron Ocon, you know. It wasn't a decision that we made. It was something that was laid on both of our hearts at the same time, you know, while we was at church, you know. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. I just, uh, whatever God's got in store for me, I, I hope and pray I'm able to do it the right way. I. So first of all, on behalf of myself and anyone who watches this, thank you. That was incredible. Like that just that whole because no one, no one ever, and it's not a competition, but no one's ever going to be able to beat that. No one's ever going to be like, oh, I started, you know, fighting because you know I got in this fight when I was seven and I thought I was good. Like no, <laughs> like what you just told me, like <clears throat> you know. Like, you know, we talked about Britain, we talked about your wife and everything, you know, and I think it's just so funny because you mentioned that she said, if you're going to be a fighter, we're not going to be together. And now she's basically your manager. Like, she's basically the one setting things up and making sure you stay on track. So you did a full 180 in that, and it's working for both of you. So I wanted to kind of... <clears throat> Switch gears. I still can't process everything you just told me. I'm not going to lie. It's not a lot of times that I'm speechless, especially doing this show, but this is one of those times where I just can't even process. 
what you just what you like what you just shared. Like, thank you. <laughs> yes. Sir. So talk about Breton. Because we're gonna call her the star of the show. Can, can we take a time out for just a second? I'm yeah. on two percent and I need to get a charge. Oh gosh, I'm, yeah. I'm so slow. No, you're fine. I, I was on thirty I was on thirty five percent whenever we started. <laughs> Apparently, my phone eats the battery. <laughs> Gives me time to process. That's fine with me. Bobo's going to be back here in a second. But man, what a, just what a story. All right, guys, we're back. Because, you know, the Quick It Out MMA podcast was so torn up about that, we killed Bobo's phone. We literally took the battery right out of it. Um, But I think that was literally just for us to be able to just comprehend so like I said I wanted to talk about Britain because she is such a huge part of this and she's got everything going on with her now like you said bad flare-ups and I you you said 11 diseases that she's having to deal with 11 ailments that she's having to deal with so I want you to talk about just her and you know what she goes through what you do for her and you know how anybody listening can help Man, look, whenever, uh, all right, so we got a crazy love story to begin with. <laughs> Everything about us is a little different, a little crazy. Uh, we met on a, uh, a place called, uh, Plenty of Fish. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, look, what's crazy is I got on Plenty of Fish, I was fixing to delete it because everybody just, it's a hookup site is all it is. I thought it was different but man whatever you know I just didn't I didn't care for that aspect of it anyhow she uh whenever I get on there to delete it I was like you know I have one last look around one one last look and see if there's anything worth looking at on you know worth spending time on and uh I come across her profile and uh I went to swipe it away and I was like well I held my finger on it I pulled it back I was like hey man she looked pretty good let's see about her <laughs> she uh her little about me on there says, uh, God comes first in my life. First and foremost, God comes first in my life. And uh, next, no man will ever come before my son. I'm like, whoa, you know, here, this girl on here with morals, you know, that's a nice, refreshing breath of air there. So I sent her a message. It wasn't five minutes later. I get a message back from her. Uh, later on, I find out that the reason why she got on there was to uh, delete hers as well. And uh, she she was uh, digging through messages, and uh, the messages she was digging through was just obscene stuff. And then she seen mine and saying I wasn't obscene, and I was just you know being a gentleman. And she was like, "Whoa, let me message this guy back." And uh, that was probably eight nine o'clock at the night, I guess. 
and uh, we messaged all the way until it was time for me to go to work the next morning pretty much and uh, I think I got like an hour hour and a half of sleep but uh, then uh, we uh, picked right back up later on in the day when she woke up and was just messaging you know and uh, this was December the 20th we met in person uh, we had a mutual friend her mutual friend and I set it up where they she brought her to Mobile where I was living at the time and I just bumped into them in a Walmart and uh, <laughs> uh, that was that was December the 22nd two days after we met and then uh, December the 25th uh, uh, I didn't get to see my daughter for Christmas so I called her and I was just you know just depressed riding and uh she ended up uh saying well why don't you come see us then I was like are you serious she said yeah I was like well just so happens I am on highway 98 and I am headed towards Mississippi so uh, <laughs> why not so she sent me her address and I came on out here and met her family you know they fell in love with me I fell in love with them and the next weekend I come back and ask her daddy can I marry her <laughs> And, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. So, uh, we, uh, we got, we, we met on, uh, December the 20th. And then we got married on January the 15th. And, uh, yeah. I wish I'd have run into her and met her 10 years ago. And, uh, but, um, well, actually, I think we we did meet back in like 2012, but anyways, so uh, we we didn't know that that it took us a few months of being together before we realized that that was each other, you know. But uh, or no, it wasn't. Anyhow, we it was after we had done already started talking before we realized that was each other back then. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, she she told me before we got married, you know we. Obviously, we talked quite a lot and had a whole bunch of conversation, but, uh, you know, prayed about each other with each other and everything, and uh, she told me before we got married that she had, you know, the heart disease and everything. Okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I hate that. That's terrible, but, you know, what can I do to help you? No, really? Yeah, I'm serious. I drove an hour and 15 minutes from Mobile to her house here in Mississippi, um, like, 12 or 13 days after we met it was before we were married so it was within three weeks of meeting <laughs> and uh whenever i drove out here uh my whole purpose of coming out here was to bring her some water and gatorade because i know that she dehydrates real easy because of her heart disease and i brought her some uh, chicken noodle soup because that's what she wanted because she was sick i drove out here uh brought that stuff to her uh let her mama show me where um, pots and everything was so I can heat her soup up for her. Oh uh, got her soup, poured her soup, and uh, spent probably 20 minutes with her. She was tired and wanted to go to sleep. Okay, give her a kiss on the forehead and, and got back in my truck and drove an hour and 15 minutes back home. And, uh, you know, went to work the next day. But, uh, you know, she, she was just thrown back that I would drive that far just to bring her, you know, Gatorade water and chicken noodle soup see she mentioned that she wanted a uh, chicken noodle soup while we was on the phone so i just went ahead and threw the gatorade and water in there too because i know that you know like i say she dehydrates really easy well anyhow 
uh, we'd gotten together and everything was good and uh, our heart disease had calmed down you know she year a uh, few years ago she a uh, few years for her and I met she'd had a, a pacemaker put in you know pacemaker defibrillator put in and uh, then but the doctor said she was doing okay and she went and asked him uh, about us trying to have a baby and uh, he was like, well, you know, you, I'm going to give you a clean bill of health. I'm going to say that you're okay to try to have a baby. Okay. And uh, we was married for five weeks, and she was four weeks pregnant. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, we was married for six weeks, and she was four weeks pregnant. And uh, I, had, I had decided that, or we had decided that we would try. If nothing happened within a year, then we just knew the answer was no. And... Uh, so when she had the baby, uh, while she was pregnant with the baby, she started having complications. Mm -hmm. I didn't find out until about, uh, let's see, till about six days before she had the baby. But the last uh, three weeks that she was pregnant, she was actually in heart failure. And uh, that's what her cardiologist told her. And she wouldn't tell me. Oh and finally... I surprised her one day and I took off work to take her to her cardiologist appointment and I went back with her and uh, he walks in his words to her is why are you still pregnant and I looked at her I looked back at him I said do what he <laughs> said uh, I told her uh, two weeks ago when she came in that she was in heart failure that she needed to go and have that baby I look at her when I'm telling you I had a complete come apart on the inside. I, I held myself together in front of that doctor, but I'm telling you I completely come apart on the inside there. And uh, I said, are, are you kidding me? And uh, he said, nope, nope. Okay. And uh, I get back in the car and where are we going? To your uh, <laughs> to your doctor with his and had this baby. And uh, took her to a uh, gynecologist and he had a... a give her a steroid shot to make the baby's lungs and everything develop and uh you know quickly mm -hmm. and uh, i was like look man I, I gotta be honest with you i said i'm sorry i said but uh help her anything you can do just i need her to be okay help her and uh so he uh went through and got it done and a week later we was having the baby and uh after she had the baby it's like she has some major underlying disease that we don't know what it is and uh, the doctors don't know what it is but the uh, it, it, it causes a bunch of other diseases to kick up like now she's got uh, four intestinal diseases uh, ulcer ulcerative colitis is one of them and it's flared up and giving her bits right now and uh, you know she's got uh, like she she can only eat certain things and she can only eat them for like a week or two and all of a sudden she can don't know what she can eat and it'll take us four or five days to figure out what she can eat and uh, you know so she's constantly losing weight without trying to constantly unable to eat and uh, you know we're always having to figure out what she can eat and then uh, you know sleep Sometimes all she can do is sleep. Sometimes she can't sleep if she was taking Ambien. And, uh, you know, so it's just 
Which I'm, I don't think she can take it in being. I'm just saying, using it for example. Well, we get what you say. Like, but, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And her, her, uh, you know, she, she's found out through some of her doctors that uh, CBD products and whatever will actually will help her and actually is helping her. And uh, it, it is making progress towards her getting better and, you know, having better days. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, she's, uh, but like right now, she's laid up in the bed, been laid up in the bed all day long because uh, her ulcerative colitis is um, flared up and giving her problems, you know. And, uh, you know, so, uh, it, but it, it's just 11 different diseases, man. Uh, I think three or four neurological diseases. So not only does she have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is a rare heart disease, which she had an experimental surgery done on her when she turned 18 to where they went in through her growing and went up into her heart and injected her heart muscle with alcohol. Hers was the first one that was done in the United States. Oshner's Hospital down in New Orleans has a whole wing added onto their hospital dedicated to cardiac research because of her the experimental surgery they did on her down there back whenever she turned 18. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So that's how experimental it was. It, it had been done in Canada before, and if Oshner's was to, was to have told her no, then her next stop was Canada. They was going to Canada to have it done in Canada because that would have been it. Oshner's leaving Oshner's was either a heart transplant or this experimental surgery. That was that was her option. That, that was it. Well, there was another surgery that they felt more confident about where they uh, put her on ice, uh, give her a shot to stop her heart, uh, kill her, and take her heart out of her chest because uh, her heart disease causes her heart to grow. It don't grow this way. It grows inwards and closes up. The wall is just thickened and closes off the chamber inside of her heart. So their option was take her heart out of her chest and cut it apart and make the walls thinner and sew it back together, put it in her chest, and hope it comes back online. And uh, so that, you know, she said she wasn't too hot on that idea. So <laughs> I don't uh, think anybody would be on that one. <laughs> no, no. So listen to this. The surgery they do where they, uh, the ablation, alcohol ablation, where they do is inducing a heart attack is what it does. Uh, where they went in through her growing and injected her heart muscle with alcohol, they did, had to do it while she was awake because with no painkillers. Because if they had put her to sleep, it would have been something that her body would have recognized as a major trauma, and her body just would have shut down. Yeah. And so she had, to, she had a life coach with her for one week before this surgery, just to, uh, for about three or four days. The girl... Uh, become friends with her befriended her you know brought her in food she wasn't supposed to have and you know <laughs> brought her a laptop to her let her play on her laptop and you know just whatever just cutting up girls night movies chips drink whatever then the next three and a half four days got serious the next the last half of it was all right you know you're gonna want to die you know that you're fixing to ask somebody to tell 
take your life whenever this happens. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, how do you? Oh, I love my life. I want to be alive. Well, you're fixing to fight for it, you know. And that taking her through that for a few days, or right, she literally had to fight for a life. Imagine pouring alcohol on a fresh cut on your arm, and then taking that feeling and putting it inside your chest. You know, no, I'm not interested. And, uh, and but that's what she did. Punch in the head, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, that's right. Hit me again, Daddy. Just don't do that, <laughs> you know. But yeah, she uh, so she uh, at one point during it, uh, you got a cough, and the cough makes your heart restart and everything come on back online, you know. And uh, she said that her life coach was over her face, hollering at her, screaming at her, right there in her face, screaming at her, cough. And said all she could do was shake her head. She couldn't breathe or nothing. So that life coach slapped her in the face and said, I said cough. And uh, what made my wife cough was whenever she seen her life coach crying. So tears fell out of her life coach's face, eyes onto my wife's face. And that gave her motivation to cough. And then her heart restarted and everything went on. Uh, my wife told me that if it comes to her dying or having to do that again, then she's just going to live the rest of her days happy, you know, <laughs> her last few days happy is what she said, and, uh, but, uh, you know, man, I, I couldn't imagine, man, you know, having to fight through that, and then everything got good for a while, better for a while, and then after she got the clear to have the baby, and we had the baby, whatever this major underlying disease that she has that nobody can seem to find or treat, uh, it's caused all this other stuff to flare up. Now, here's what the trick of it is. Here's the crazy thing. To treat one disease that she has, it'll make a different disease flare up and go worse. Yep. And then to give it medicine to keep it from flaring up makes another one flare up. And then, so it's like to treat just one disease, to treat it, to keep it better, they've got to give her 10 diseases, 10 medicines for the other 10 diseases just not to flare up. So you're doing a Russian roulette. Which one do you try to treat to make better? You know, whenever one flares up, then you obviously got to treat it some. And then, then you also got to give her 10 or 11 other medicines. Oh, man, it's just a stinking nightmare. And... All I can do is just pray and have my heart broke, you know, constantly walk into a different room. We'll leave it at that because, uh, you know, that's, that's my wife, man. That's my best friend. You know, that's, we've been married for, uh, January was four years now, you know, and, uh, she, I literally, I, I promise to you, never in my life have I ever had a friend as good as what my wife is to me. My wife is literally my best friend, dude. We, man, you, you ought to be around. We roast each other. You know how you and your buddies be around, joking around, picking on each other, janking, roasting, and just, you know, what, me and my wife are the same exact way. Man, we will roast each other down. We will, you know, pick on each other. It don't matter who's where, you know. We're at the restaurant. I'm asking the wait waiter or waitress, hey, you got any diet water back there? She don't need all the calories that regular water has in it, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're, we're just, she'll say, okay, fat boy, keep it up. You're going to get a diet steak, you know. <laughs> just That's just how we are, you know. It's just, you know, just having fun, cutting up. And um, 
to see her sitting around laying around like right now in that bed can't get out the bed uh, hurting uh, can't hardly eat nothing uh, can't hardly drink nothing and I know that she needs fluids in her because her heart disease pushes uh, liquid and nutrients out of her body to make her dehydrate and stuff and uh, so I know that she needs to eat but she's laid up in there and can't eat can't do nothing and yeah man that hurts you know that's my best friend in there uh, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> you know that's my best friend in there right now laid up just hurting and uh, you know uh, <clears throat> all, she, all she wants to do is uh, sleep but guess what? She can't sleep. So she's laid up in there just trying to keep her mind off hurting. But man, if uh you know, we both truly believe somehow or another something's gonna come out of this fighting thing, something's gonna give something somehow or another through this fighting, uh we both feel like God's told us that it's, you know, is where she's going to get her healing. My buddy, look, you can line up all the fans one at a time, and everybody can come through and take a pop shot at me if it, uh, if it'll help her, if it'll heal her. I mean, I, man, I'm, uh, it hurts to see my best friend laying in there laid up, just hurting all the time. You know, wanting to go and do stuff, wanting to go do this, wanting to go do that, but can't. Even on her good days, she was able to go to the fights. My last fight, I saw that. She yeah. was able to go to my last fight, and uh, had a had a great time. I had had to swallow her pride, and she hates it, and she's gonna hate that I say it again, even though there's pictures out there. And I had to be in her wheelchair for the whole thing, but. Uh, Oh man, she hates that thing. But that's the way she's able to get around. And even though she was in her wheelchair the whole time, she she still spent the next week in bed from hurting, just from being up and out and around, and you know, the excitement of seeing everything and hollering. She she stood <clears throat> she stood up during my <clears throat> during my whole fight and was uh hollering and screaming during my fight and uh <clears throat> Brandon Lambert uh the green haired geezer he uh <laughs> he, kn he knows that my wife has major health issues he, he knows that she's got major stuff going on <clears throat> this man stopped his night put his night on Paul's his girlfriend right there beside of him so that, so that he can come and uh, put his hands around my wife's waist so that she can be there jumping up and down, hollering and screaming for me without fear of falling down and hurting herself. You know, I mean, God is uh, God has blessed us with some good people in our lives, man. And, uh, you know, just, uh, but that that jumping up and down and that hollering and you know being around everybody and the excitement of being around everybody and talking to everybody and everything she was uh pretty well bedridden for about a week week and a half after that i think it was four or five days a week whatever it was and uh like bedridden like 
got up to use the bathroom and take a shower and that's it because I don't look this woman can have her guts hanging out of her in a plastic bag waiting to have them sewed in and she wants to get a shower first <laughs> <laughs> that is just how she is brother look I promise to you this is no lie she had just had a c-section from our baby girl just got out of recovery and asked that nurse can I take a shower no, are you crazy? No. You just had your guts on a table beside you so we could get the baby out. And that was three hours ago, four hours ago. No, you cannot get a shower. And But that night, she got a shower. And, you know, I uh, pretty well, for all intents and purposes, carried her in there, you know, helped her get a shower, helped her bathe or whatever, and, uh, you know, carried her back to the bed. But uh, that that woman, she's gonna get a shower no no matter what, brother. I promise you that she she can't hold to lay down without it. But uh, but you know to to know that she enjoyed herself, and I'm very very happy. I'm very very glad. I I wouldn't take that from her. I wouldn't um, if if ever she feels like she can go and do something, and we go and we do something like that. I know that there's gonna be four or five days of pure heck to pay for it. Sometimes a week, week and a half. I, I know that. But whenever she feels good enough to go and do something, and we're going to go and do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Because I look at it from my perspective. Let's say if I'm laid up most of the time and don't hardly feel good enough to be able to walk to the bathroom most of the time. And then all of a sudden, I get a few good days to where I want to go and do something. Man, somebody better get me out of this house and let me go enjoy life a little bit. You know, there's uh, there's more to life than just being alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that she has taught me a lot. So, we, uh, when she feels good enough, we try to, you know, take her out and let her go and do. And I feel like if she was given the chance now, knowing what she knows, you know, to avoid those four to five days, she would still have done the exact same thing. She would have sat there. She would have went through every single thing because even the conversations I've had with her, she apologizes constantly. And I'm like, she's like, sorry, my fingers hurt. I'll do the voice to text. And I'm like, it's fine. It's okay. Like, like it's all right. And she's been so on top of it. And for her to be going through everything she is, you know, you've, you've made it very clear. Family is incredibly important. Obviously your faith is very important. And it's so it's refreshing. <clears throat> oh, we lost Bobo again. All right, guys, stay with me. <clears throat> you leave again? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this is so gone phone. But you, you were saying it's refreshing. It is refreshing. Just <clears throat> everything about you, like... You've shared some of the deepest, darkest stories um, I think that I've ever heard in covering this sport for over a decade. You know, you've told me things that, like, rip to the core in a sense that I'm not just, like, a journalist spinning a good story. Like, you could have told this story a hundred times and I'd listen to it a hundred times because I'd probably have missed one little, one little thing, one little moment about it. So, you know... Thank you for that. 
you know, thank Britain for everything she does for you because she might think she does a lot, but she's garnered her own following because of Man, look, what she does. Look, this woman, we, uh, we, I, I had a manager and my manager was not getting me any sponsorship money. And, uh, so me and my wife had to talk about it. We was on the way to her brother's house, which is about three and a half hours away. And uh, I, I was like, look, you're fixing to be my manager. I'm fixing to call my other manager and tell him, you know, hey, it's just not working out. I'm telling him why it's not working out, and you're going to manage me. I don't know anything about managing fighters. I can't bother. You talk. You're real good at talking. Uh, you have really good people skills. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to find me sponsors. I know you don't know how, but you have what it takes to do it. So that's what we're going to do. And I called him. I was like, hey, look, you know, sorry, just not a fit. So we're cutting it loose. And, uh, you know, look, in the first fight that she managed me in, and I think it was, uh, I think it was 13 days, 10 days, ever what it was. Mm -hmm. She uh, matched. She got me just as much money in sponsorship as what my fight purse was. Yeah. Yeah. So I go from zero dollars in sponsorship money to 10 days later, I've got you know almost six grand in sponsorship money. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, and. And she stays on the phone with sponsors, man. She stays constantly trying to find somebody, trying to work an angle, trying to, you know, get new sponsors and, you know, uh, make sure that we do take care of the sponsors that we do have as far as putting their name out there, you know. And uh, so she, she does she does awesome, man. And she, um, you know, if, if it wasn't for her, but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have any of this going on, you know. I I, I work, I train, and I sleep, and and I eat somewhere in the middle. You know that, that's it. On those that's lunch breaks, lunch breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My quick little fifteen minute microwave something, swallow it, and go back to work. You know, and uh, we. Uh, but if it if it wasn't for her, man, I there's there's a lot of stuff in this life that I wouldn't have and and listen what I just said now she she's doing all this stuff for me she makes all these phone calls sends all these emails uh, talks to these people you know texting with people uh, you know uh, getting with other people on who to contact and all this stuff man all day long while she's hurting while she's flared up while she's constantly in pain, uh, you know, while she's got her uh, uh, blood pressure cuff next to her, taking her blood pressure all the time, making sure her blood pressure's not dropping out to where she's about to pass out, you know, and, uh, you know, got all this stuff going on and still doing her level best to take care of me, to take care of us. You know what I mean? <clears throat> what else did you ask for, man? You know, I mean, it, she she breaks my heart with how passionate she is in this man, and it, it just it it, it it is all it's awesome to see. 
you know how how hard she's willing to uh, work and how far she's willing to go for this. Absolutely, and that's why I kind of wanted to bring up. I'm gonna keep kicking him out. <laughs> you're giving a you're giving the oh. listeners a. <clears throat> Like a cry break, like we get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about that. That's stupid. I'm going to sling it out in the yard. Well, and I just wanted to kind of leave with this is you know, you've got the GoFundMe up there, Britain's Battle. I know you guys have already raised <clears throat> more than 68%. I'm just going to use that number because you brought it up earlier, but you guys are so close to that goal. And I feel like anybody who listens, just donate a dollar something to get them to that point because there's no doubt that your fighting is going to end up help paying for what she needs and it's it's so ironic and it's so full circle that the same thing that was going to split the two of you has brought you together and is helping support the family and you know given her something to do like you said when she can't get out of bed you know <clears throat> you would never know talking to her that she's in pain that she's in anything else because she's putting it out there, um, you know, <clears throat> to try and help not only support you, but support the family. And her last concern is her own health. It's, it's incredible. Look, look, look at this. Look at this real quick. And I, I got I to tell this real quick. Um, this last fight I took on a four-day notice. I didn't know anything about Zach Kalmuth. I didn't know who he was or nothing. I tried to find stuff. I couldn't find nothing. So, anyhow, uh, we was talking about it. I was like, baby, I don't know. I don't know. She's like, well, you got this guy you've been working with. You say that you and Jason helped you out a lot and you learned a lot and, you know, this and that. And, uh, but, but it's up to you, baby, whatever you think. I was like, you know what? We uh, When we prayed about all this, we said that, uh, you know, we just... We couldn't say no. Said so both of us felt like we couldn't say no if God brought us an opportunity. She said, "You're exactly right," and uh, she said, "But it's up to you. Whatever you want to do, baby." And uh, I was like, "All right, hold on." And I called right there. I didn't tell her nothing else. I called Nate Shook on my phone. I was like, "Hey, man, yeah, put put me down. I'll, I'll take that fight." <laughs> this crazy bat. Listen to me. This crazy bat goes to crying. Like I'm talking snot, uh, wiping like this, crying bad i'm like what in the world is she doing man <clears throat> that next week she had to have a medical procedure done and we did not have the money because of other medical procedures that had been done and she wasn't gonna tell me but we needed that fight and so we got that fight, and she was able to go and have her procedure done. She wasn't going to tell me. She, like, if she had told me, man, there would have been no hesitation, no nothing. I'd, yes, sir, we're going in. But she left it completely up to me. I, she, I went to praying about it. I was like, you know what? It, I was reminded that we told God no matter what. And so, yeah, we're taking the fight. When she told me that, I just about had a complete full-fledged come apart. I'm saying it was, but hey, look, look at the bright side of it. God provided for us. 
you know, we we didn't have that money in our account. We didn't have anybody to turn to to, you know, hey, let me borrow you, <laughs> you know. And then this fight comes up and a blessing right on time. I mean, come on. So, yeah, that fight money's gone, but guess what? My wife's okay. My wife's doing good. So, you know what? Um, on top of the fact that you... So you mean to tell me you went and fought and you didn't get nothing out of that? Oh, I did. My wife's taken care of. My, my wife's in better health now because of it. And guess what? I just got fight of the night. What does that do for my next fight? You know? What what does that do for my for my reputation, for my demand by the fans? You know, people already know that look at the Mike Kyle fight. Hey, Sam Shoemaker had to knock me down three times, you know? And then uh me me and Arnold Adams, we stayed in there and uh stood toe to toe for a while, you know. I felt like I should have uh, been able to keep fighting on that one, <laughs> but you know, whatever it, it happened. But you know, so people are starting to see. Then, then all of a sudden, it builds up to this fight of the night with Calmus. You know, people are starting to see. Hey, man, that that Bobo guy, he's exciting. It don't matter if he gets his brains beat out of his ears or if he whips somebody else. You know, he he brings it. He comes to fight. He comes to entertain. So that's going to start putting me in more in demand. So yeah, we we got plenty, we got plenty out of this one, and I'm I'm very happy, very blessed, man. And uh, so, man, and again, refreshing is the the only way I can look at it. So before we both have our full on comeuppance, <laughs> I want you to take this time to just thank the sponsors that Britain has worked so hard to to put you in touch with um, if you have them if you don't message me later and I'll just add them to the post um, her GoFundMe will be added to the interview at the bottom um, for simply for the fact that you're 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 just good people like there's no way around it you know just everything about you like I knew <clears throat> very little about you you know you're you're a vocal guy but you're not, like you said, you haven't been that guy in the spotlight. You haven't been around 20, 30 years where everybody's like, oh, this guy. But after that Zach Kalmas fight, everybody knows who you are. And I think you're just going to keep going up from there. And the way you're doing it and who you're doing it for is just going to keep you getting better and better. So I look forward to our next talk after your next win. And definitely um, thank you and thank Britain for me, please. Um, for yeah. setting this up and making sure that uh, you were here. <laughs> yeah, I guess I. Um, man, I can remember about two of my sponsors. I think we got a list with 12 or 14, so I'm just going to uh, message them to you because uh, this woman is a mad woman, I'm telling you, man. She's been crazy on getting the sponsors and doing a doggone fine job of it. So... Uh, I don't want a more spotlight here on one than the other. We'll uh, we'll wait and we'll uh, I'll send the only one I do want to shout out to is my uh, my new trainer uh, with Boxer Tricks, Mr. Jason Williams. Uh, cornered me via FaceTime in the uh, in my last fight. You know, I mean, the man reached out to me. He stays up. 
from 11 p.m. his time to 1, 2 o'clock in the morning his time training me. So, you know, I mean, yeah, that that's awesome, man. That's that's definitely a godsend right there. And, uh, you know, outside of that, just, you know, want to thank God for giving me this stage. And uh, thank God for what he's doing in, in mine and my wife's life. Uh, best way to put it. Like, it really was, so... Bobo, on behalf of myself, Combat Press, uh, La Barba Cubana, I still don't know how to point to my own hat after all this time. Bertso's Bake Shop, Fat Boy Jiu Jitsu, and then Epic Jits Tees for, you know, creating a logo and bringing this thing to life. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to see you back inside that squared circle. Thank you, sir. Y'all have a blessed one. You too.